All right, I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome those in Baton Rouge, our Gulf Coast campus, those on our South Shore, always at Little Creek, and every week, all those that are joining us online for week four of our series called Brave, a study in the book of Daniel. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? <clears throat> so excited to have Calvary Chapel as well, Bay St. Louis, man, excited to have all of you with us. We are in a six-week study of the book of Daniel. I hope that you guys have been reading ahead. This week, this week we are going to look at another powerful encounter that Daniel has with King Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, in Daniel chapter 5. Before I jump into that, I want to just give a little bit of recap. Last week, last week we ended up in Daniel chapter 3, and again, we saw that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three Hebrew boys, they refused to bow down to that golden idol, that statue. So again, they were thrown into the fire. And what happened was Nebuchadnezzar ran down there, and he saw not just three, but he saw a fourth man. Everybody say a fourth man. He saw a fourth man in the fire, and he saw it as a... Appearance of the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar was so moved by that, the Bible says he actually fell down and he cried out. He cried out and acknowledged. He literally acknowledged the sovereign God. He said this in verse 29. He says, there is no other God who can deliver like this. Now, I want to say this again. I said it last week. Nebuchadnezzar was shaken by God. But he didn't surrender to God. Do you know that you can be shaken by God? You can come to a church service. You can cry. You can hear a message. You can be inspired. You can pray and see a miracle. But yet you really never surrender to God. Nebuchadnezzar recognized. Matter of fact, the book of Daniel, if you look at the first six, seven chapters, it's, it's or actually the first six chapters, it's, it's where we see the Babylonian Empire, the rulers would, would, would be shaken by God. But they weren't transformed by God. And it wasn't because God lacked the power to transform them. It's because they were unwilling to surrender. Again, Daniel chapter 4. Let me give you a one-paragraph recap. Then we're going to jump into chapter 5. Pastor, why are you jumping past chapter 4? Because I need to get this far of the book that I can. I need to do as much as I can. Let me give you one paragraph on chapter 4. Because it's the same situation. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And in this dream, here's the editorialized version. In this dream, he sees this large tree growing up to the heavens. And then in his dream, he actually sees the tree cut down to the ground like a stump. Once again, he doesn't know the dream. He doesn't know the interpretation. He wants, like, what's going on? So he brings Daniel in. He said, here's what Daniel tells him. He says, King, because of your pride, because you've been intoxicated with self, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be humbled. You're actually going to be put outside the city walls of Babylon. As a matter of fact, King, he says, you're going to end up being reduced down to an animal-like state eating grass for seven years. Sure enough, it's exactly what happened. If you read Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, because... He was shaken but not surrendered to God. He once again, his heart gets filled with pride. 
Once again, God humbles him. He ends up outside the city gates, the city of Babylon, and he's literally on all fours eating grass for seven years to once again, once again, he calls out to God. And once again, God delivers him. Now, you would think everything from that point onward, I mean, you would think that Nebuchadnezzar was going to enroll in Next Steps class at Church of the King. I mean, you think, my gosh, the guy's signing up. He's going to be leading a small group in six months. Not so fast. Matter of fact, it's interesting when you go back and forth and back and forth, we see the we see how God shows up and shakes Nebuchadnezzar. God shows up. And matter of fact, we see that throughout world history. And I'm going to talk about that today. All right, man, I wish I could go more into chapter four, but I got to jump to chapter five. You guys ready? Say yes. yes. Chapter five, things have changed. And here's why. The year is now 539 BC, almost 70 years. Man, I've got to just fast forward this thing. Almost 70 years have passed since the day that Daniel and the other Jewish teenagers arrived in Jerusalem. Daniel is now over 80 years old. King Nebuchadnezzar has now been dead for 24 years. His grandson, Belshazzar, sits on the throne of the quickly, notice this, shrinking Babylonian Empire. It's now comprised, in essence, of only the city of Babylon. Outside the city walls, the mighty Medo-Persian Empire have closed in and surrounded the city. Here's the irony of it. The Babylonian people felt, they felt safe and secure because what they perceived as being impenetrable, these walls, oh man, they thought, we're going to hang here. We've got four watchtowers. We've got food for up to 20 years. Nobody can defeat us. Matter of fact, I've got a, I've got a picture. This is a pretty good picture so now, the Babylonian Empire, at one time, it was a world power that stretched all the way across the, the, the then-known world. It's now been reduced down to a city. But they had these city walls, 300 feet high in some places, 65 feet wide, wide enough for four chariots to go across. And they had a water source, the Euphrates River, that would run through it. And they had food. For 20 years, they thought, we can't be defeated. Wow. Little did they realize that this event was about to take place. Daniel chapter 5, verse 1. You're not going to believe what happens. Downtown Babylon at the palace. Now, you got to think about the arrogance here. The watchtower is seeing the... Persian Empire move into place. They're doing drills in the plains right outside the, the city of Babylon. And yet they're, they're so filled with pride. Watch what happens. Daniel chapter 5 verse 1. Belshazzar, the king, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of a thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and the silver vessels, which his father, actually his grandfather, the biblical language sometimes will suggest father, actually meaning grandfather, his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem. Whoa, he's now got the actual vessels that were taken 70 years prior. You remember when Babylon came and took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel? 
Remember when they deported all these young Hebrew boys? Do you remember that? And they ransacked the temple. Well, part of what they took were the gold and the silver vessels. Now, the pride of Babylon has reached a height. Watch this. Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold, the silver vessels, which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple, which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lord, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God. Whoa, he crossed the line, which had been in Jerusalem. Then the king and his lords and his wives and the concubines, they drank from them. They're singing songs. They're drink- I mean, this thing is just getting out of control. They drank wine. They praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood. They're praising the gods of the Babylon. Wow. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the wall, opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. According to secular historians, you guys can look this up. Remember, this is world history as well. Biblical history is world history. According to secular historians, the date... It's actually October 12th, 539 B.C., all over the city. People are excited because the king is throwing this massive, wild party. A thousand nobles, the cream of the Babylonian society, they're invited along with their wives, the concubines, which the additional girlfriends and other lady friends, counting upwards of 8,000 people. Evidently, the party gets off to a, a pretty good start. Nobody knows where the idea comes for King Belshazzar to actually get the gold and the silver vessels from the Jewish people, from the temple. Nobody really knows where that came from. But at some point, he decides to take the holy vessels from the Jewish temple and to fill them up with wine, and they start singing. This was incredibly sacrilegious as they passed the vessels from the temple in Jerusalem from one person to another. Someone begins a drunken song of praise to the gods of Babylon. Oh my gosh. The gods of silver and gold and bronze and stone. If you and I would use the word orgy for this party, we would not be exaggerating at all. It was a drunken orgy. That's really what it became. This was exactly what the king wanted. It was a wild party to help people forget the trouble that was setting right on the other side of their walls. Isn't it amazing how we often try to anesthetize the pain to the reality of where our life is? Well, when the party starts, guess what? Daniel is nowhere to be found. Hmm, isn't that interesting? Well, the world never invites the people of God to a drunken orgy. I haven't been invited lately. Have you guys? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. We've got a prayer line for you if not. <laughs> But I do want to note, I do want to note, even though Daniel missed the guest list, and even though somebody else missed the guest list, somebody else who missed the list crashed the party. Guess who it was? God. Oh, wow. They didn't invite God either. They didn't invite the people of God And they didn't invite God. 
So here it is, they're singing and they're drinking. They got this big old party going on and all this stuff is happening. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this hand, this disembodied hand, no torso, no body. No, and this hand comes out and it starts writing a legible, legible writing on the wall. I mean, this is big time. Now, I, I, I've, got a, I've got a thing I'm going to pull up here in a second. And here's the four words. Mene, mene, tekal, upares. Four words. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. It struck them. Interesting picture here. Can you imagine being at this party? If you can pull that up. Can you imagine being at this party? Here's Belshazzar, grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Here's the big party going around. And all of a sudden... This disembodied hand, God breaks into the party and he writes these four words on the wall. The king calls for the astrologers and the enchanters. These men use various secret and strange techniques. We've talked about that, I think, a few weeks ago to solve riddles and the Advised the king about the future. But again, they couldn't produce. By the way, how I many you know the dark world, it really can't produce. It's only an imitation of the kingdom of God. Remember this, the, 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 the darkness is an imitation of the light. Remember this, the devil is the creation, the God is the creator. And everything in the creation, listen, the kingdom of darkness, they, there's really, this, it's kind of like the 9-100 psychic hotlines. Okay, tell me a little bit about this, then I'll tell you, they kind of spin something. But the kingdom of God works differently. Men and women of God, they, they walk with God. They, they walk with God. There is a supernatural realm that's around us. Well, the astrologers couldn't produce once again. Just like they couldn't produce in the first chapter, in the second chapter. They couldn't produce again. It's getting late in the palace. There's a lot of consternation. There's a lot of movement around. The king has no idea what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, guess who else wasn't invited to the party who walks in? The queen mother. I mean, you know, you don't invite your mom to parties like that either, apparently. <laughs> she quickly inquires what happened, and Belshazzar tells her exactly what happens, and she recounts there was a young Jewish boy named Daniel that interpreted her dad's dreams. And to her understanding, he's somewhere in the kingdom. Quickly, they bring Daniel in. The Bible says, let Daniel be called. That's what she said. Verse 12. And he will give the interpretation. She had confidence. Let Daniel be called. He, he's going to give the interpretation. By the way, don't miss this. Don't miss this point. They may not have invited you to the party. Uh, they may not have invited you to the group. But let me tell you something. Let there be a crisis that comes. Let there be a crisis and, and, God forbid, in a family, in a situation. How I many you know, they may call you, well, you're born again. You've taken this Jesus thing too far. You're too religious now. I mean, you're too, I mean, come on. Daniel wasn't on the original invitation, but he was called when the chaos break loose. We never know our influence of believers until a crisis comes to our coworkers, our, our family, our friends, our neighbors. What an encouragement it, that is that we may find ourselves in our office, the very people that maybe they, they, they may be kind of looking down upon you because you, you know, you've got your Bible and you, and, and, you, and you listen to preaching tapes and they think, come on, man, you've gone too far with this, but you let a crisis come. Something happens. By the way, that's where our culture is right now. It needs men and women of God that can hear God, that have answers. And you are the solution, by the way. 
That's why prayer is so important. God will speak to you. God will speak to you about your family. God will speak to you about your business. God will speak to us. And God speaks to Daniel. Daniel comes on in. Belshazzar offers him the same deal, by the way. Here's the deal. Interpret the dream. I'll make you the third most powerful person in my kingdom. Daniel says, I don't need all that. I'll interpret your dream for you. But you're not going to buy me off. You're not going to buy me off of this thing. But, 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 but I'll interpret the dream because I think it's important for you to know. He reminds the king of three things. Number one, he tells the king, he says, let me tell you what I'm going to give you. Number one, I'm going to give you a history lesson. Number two, I'm going to give you a theology lesson. And number three, I'm going to give you a reading lesson. He reminds the king of what happened to his predecessor, his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, when he became arrogant. And his heart was, well, it was filled with pride. Remember, remember, he tells Belshazzar, remember, remember Nebuchadnezzar. Remember him. He ended up losing his sanity and eating grass like the beasts of the field for seven years until he acknowledged that God was sovereign once again. He was shaken, but he wasn't submitted to God. Lord, let that not be our testimony. Daniel chapter 5, verse 22. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, you have not humbled your heart, although you knew this. You knew what happened in Nebuchadnezzar. You were a young boy, and you saw Grandpa out there. He was on all fours eating grass, and you knew the power and the prominence he had and how he was reduced down. You were embarrassed with your friends when you would look at your grandfather, and he'd be out in the plains, and he'd be eating grass. And you know why that happened. You, you forgot history. Wow. Daniel said you should have learned from the past, but you managed to forget it, and you missed the lesson. Well, it's a lethal mistake. Daniel goes to point out the drinking wine from the sacred vessels and the praising the gods of Babylon. Oh, man. Belshazzar, you have set yourself up now against God, the God of heaven. And it was a direct public challenge and offense towards God. And that's why God sent the hand. That's why he did. He sent the hand. He's got a message for you. And he, he's got a message. And the message is for anyone. Matter of fact, we see it in the Bible. The message for anyone that sets themselves up against God in pride. And here's the message. Daniel, now get you guys ready? Here's the interpretation. Belshazzar is leaning in. Verse 26, he says, this is the interpretation of each word. Mene. Here's what it means. It means that God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekal. Belshazzar, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Number three, Perez. Your kingdom... Well, it's been divided. It's been given to the Medes and Persians. These words are a message from God that Belshazzar's life is over. His kingdom is divided and it's given to others. Now, the story ends quickly. Verse 30, Belshazzar, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 5, it says that very night, that very night his life was taken. Now, there are no details, there's no further details in Scripture, but there are historical details for secular history. You guys ought to check this out. 
Secular history fills in the gaps that there's a brilliant military strategy employed by the, by the Persians. And they actually came up to, if you remember the uh, picture, they actually came up to the Euphrates River. The army, the Medes and Persians camped near the Euphrates River, just outside the city of Babylon. Historians tell us that the city fell to the Medes and Persians in a surprise attack. Within hours, when Daniel gives a solemn message to the king, the army enters Babylon and the place is overtaken. And Belshazzar's life is taken. Pastor Steve, whoa, this is so heavy. Well, it's in the Bible. Remember, one-third of the Bible is prophetic. What is the point of pro prophecy? Prophecy speaks to the current context in which it was written, but it also has future implications. So in other words, even though this is prophetic in the sense that it spoke, it, contextually it spoke to that moment, but it also speaks to us today. And in so far doing, it gives us lessons for today. I want to give you two lessons that I'm gleaning from this. Number one, here's what I believe God wants to speak to us about today. Number one, all of us as individuals, as families, as leaders, as business, whatever you are, wherever your sphere of influence, as a nation, I believe that we are wise to learn from our past. <clears throat> Look at this, Daniel chapter 5, verse 22. <clears throat> it emphasizes that King Belshazzar knew the past. He knew his grandfather, listen, he knew his grandfather fell because of his pride. What's the point? You should have known better. When you cross the line in your insolence and pride, you should have known better. You crossed the line with your audacious pride. <clears throat> we can sum up the truth in four statements. Don't miss this. Number one, God, please, I want everybody to hear this because I think that we can apply this to our lives. I believe that we can apply this to our businesses. I believe that we can apply this to our nation. Number one, God allowed Babylon to become great. Clearly in scripture, God raises up and pulls down. Number two, when they became great, their pride made them forget God. I can't tell you the times when I've had people come into the church and their lives have been busted. <clears throat> I'm good. And their lives have been busted. Their lives have been broken. God's touched them, restored their lives, given them another chance. And then I can't find them a year or two later. Why? They were, when, they, when they were broken, they needed God. But when their life got repaired, they forgot God. By the way, that's the whole Bible. That's the whole Old Testament, the Jewish people. They're broken. They cry out to God. God restores them, gives them a new chance. They forget about God. Why? They have options now. They have resources again. They have opportunities again. Oh, God, may we be just as dependent upon you in plenty than in famine. Are you with me? May we be dependent upon you when we have a lot and when we have a little. Number one. God allowed Babylon to become great. Number two, when they became great, their pride made them forget God. When they forgot God, number three, they began to take him for granted. Number four, when they took him for granted, they deteriorated. They lost their influence and ultimately their kingdom. It's world history. Daniel 5 is in the Bible for a very particular reason. 
So we will know the same thing that happened today. Matter of fact, all of you business leaders, I remember years ago, I, I remember reading Jim Collins, and, and he, he's a great writer, and he wrote, you know, Built to Last and Good to Great, but he also wrote a book, How the Mighty Fall. Do you guys remember that? Those of you business people, you may have read it. And it was a chronicling of all of these great corporations and business people, and the number one reason for their declension was what he considered, it's a Greek term, hubris, pride. That they thought they were impenetrable. Oh man. That's the story of Daniel. That's the story of Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5 is in the Bible for a very particular reason. So we will know the same thing that happened to Babylon can also happen to us. If we walk in pride. Search through the rubble of history. See the great empires of man come and go. Babylon came and went. Medo-Persian empire. The Greek empire with Alexander the Great. You guys remember him? The Roman Empire, and on and on. In the last hundred years, the Soviet Union, the Third Reich of Hitler, others have come and gone. Why? The tendency of every world empire and nation is the same. I'm going to give you nine things that I list. Number one, they begin to believe they'll always be a superpower. Number two, they slowly push God out of the picture. Number three, they take him out of public life. Number four, they forbid the mention of his name. Number five, they ridicule and even persecute those who still believe in him. Number six, they promote those who exalt man and downplay God. Number seven, they chafe at the absolutes. Number eight, they rewrite history in the rule book, often burning Bibles and mocking religious texts. Read Nazi Germany, all the Lutheran priests. What would they do? They would command the Lutheran priests and they began to burn Bibles. Read the Soviet Union, the Orthodox Church in Russia. It's always the same. They live by their own set of rules. Over time, if we're not careful, we can all take our lives for granted. We can take God for granted. We can take the blessings from granted. Pleasure, possessions, prominence. Every time I see a preacher fall in sexual sin, it makes me shake. I think to God, I'm 51. Oh, God, may that not happen to me. Lord, may there be perimeters and parameters in my life. Oh, God, I, listen, I'm closer to the end than I am to the beginning. And by the way, we often judge the fruit. The root is what the issue is. The fruit is the outworking of the broken nation. The fruit is the outworking of the broken life. The outworking of the broken. But the root is pride. I can do it without God. I can do it without God. Solomon makes it clear in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We can all learn from their lives. I can learn. We can learn. We should all shudder and quake. We should stay broken and humble before God. We, so here's the point. So, Pastor, what's the takeaway? Number one, we all need to learn from history. So watch this. The opposite of pride, I wrote this this week. The opposite of pride is humility. But the antidote to pride is gratitude. It's gratitude. Let me give you an example. Let, let, let me give you an example. You know when pride is creeping into our hearts? It's when we forget God and we forget the people that have been important in our lives that have helped us along the way. A coach that believed in us. A teacher that believed in us. Somebody that prayed for us. Somebody that stood with us. We forget God. Every morning, that's why I try to wake up. I, 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 I have a gratitude list. You guys hear about that. I talk about it every Thanksgiving. I have a gratitude list. Why? Because I, I don't want to be a casualty. I don't want to be a statistic. How about you? 
I, I, I don't want to be that. I, I don't want my life. I don't want my marriage. I don't want my family. I don't want our church. How many churches started off strong and they made an impact and they made a difference and now you can't even find them? Why? What happened? Let's do an archaeological dig. I wonder if the root structure got contaminated. Pastor, are you concerned about our nation? Oh gosh, of course I'm concerned about our nation. Let us recognize God. Sure, there's faults and there's frailty and there's dysfunction and there's hurt. But, but my, let me tell you something. We, we need to be real careful that we don't push God not only to the edges, but out of the whole picture. In God, we trust. In God, we trust. And in our lives and our family, that's why every day I'm gratitude, thankful. Lord, I'm thankful for life. I'm th- Lord, let us not lose something until we remember what we forgot. Wait, I had something. Wait, what happened? Where did it go? Let's be grateful for our family. Let's be grateful for our health. The very fact that you are here and I am here in physical person. The very fact that those of you that are watching us online have the ability to do that. That we have a computer. That you have the ability to connect. Let's not have to lose something to be grateful for what we have. Let's be grateful while we've got it. Number two, and I'll close. Pastor, this is so heavy. No, this is called the Bible. Sometimes there's Twinkie messages. And sometimes there's Brussels sprouts. Come on, can I have an amen? Hey, let me tell you something. And I think we often need the Brussels sprouts more than the other. God loves us. But God doesn't want to see our lives destroyed. God doesn't want to see our families destroyed. God God wants to see us grow and strong and prosper. Generation after generation. But we got to keep him first. We got to keep him first. We got to keep him first. Number two, God weighs every human heart. Here's the message for all of us. We know from, from many passages in Scripture that God sees and searches every human heart. Second Chronicles 16, 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. On behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him, God, I want want God showing up in my fire. Jesus never promised that we won't go through the fire. He just said in the fire we won't be burned. He never promised we won't go through the floods. He just said in the floods we won't be overwhelmed. But the key is, does he show up? I want him to show up. I want him to show up in my life. How many of y'all want God to show up in your life? I want God to show up in my life. Well, here's the key. Let's not push him out of our lives. He looks not only simply at our outward actions, but inspects our inner motivations, our thoughts, our intentions. Everything is laid bare before the Lord. Nothing is hidden from God. Nothing is hidden from God. God knows our hearts. God is evaluating. God is searching. The eyes of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. I want God showing up strongly on my behalf. I want God showing up strongly in my life. I want God showing up strongly in the church that God's called me to pass. I want God showing up strongly in the nation that I live. I want God showing up strongly where God has placed me. God is the one that looks at the heart. We often look at the fruit, but God looks at the root. We look at the fruit. But God looks at the root. Now, here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. All of us have impure motives at time. All of us have things that need to change. And that's where the blood of Jesus Christ comes in. When we recognize it, when the Holy Spirit comes, say, God, forgive me. God, give me another chance. I never, fr- Friday night, I was, 
I was at our, our new building that we're opening up. I was so excited at our West Osmanade campus. And I, it was a movie theater in Kenner. And I, I remember as a teenage boy going there. And I saw a lady. I saw a lady there that night. And this was Friday night. I was over there and she prayed for me. She said, I knew God was going to do something for your life. I knew God was going to. I'm so grateful for prayer. I'm so grateful that God didn't let go of my life. I'm so grateful that, that God, even though my actions, listen to me, even though my actions weren't great, God was going for my heart. God was going for my And let me tell you something. I want everybody to hear me at all of our campus. I want everybody to hear me. Somebody prayed for you. The reason why you are alive is somebody prayed for you to give you an opportunity to receive Christ where you can spend eternity with God. God is the one that's watching. And God is the one that cleanses and gives us a new chance. Matter of fact, I just sense the Holy Spirit right now. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads at all of our campuses. Every one of us, those that are joining us online, if, you'll just, if you're able to do this, I just sense the Spirit of God. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace. He gives forgiveness. He gives cleansing to the humble. May my... May my life, oh God, not oppose you. But may I remain in a posture of receiving from you, oh God. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud but gives forgiveness to the humble. Cleansing to the humble. Those that cry out, those that ask, those that recognize their need for God. Question, do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? I want to pray for you. I'm going to take just a moment at all of our campuses and all those that are joining us online and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. Just a moment, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. Over 30 years ago, when I was in college, I I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I I had to come to a moment where where I humbled myself before God. And I recognized I need God. Question, if you died today, are you ready to stand before God? This is an opportunity. It's an age of grace that we live in. Where the extending hand of the Lord is going to each one of us. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? The counter three, if you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me, to make me new. I want to be at peace with God. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you. One, two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you guys right here. God bless you right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody else? Pastor, God bless you, buddy, up top. God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody else? God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody else? The Holy Spirit, I believe, is God bless you. God bless you right there, man. Yeah, the presence of the Lord is here. God's Spirit is here. God is touching people. Jesus loves us and he cares for us and he so desperately wants to cleanse us and to heal us and to restore us. And when we surrender to him, it's a new start. Church, let's pray. Can we pray with those that are trusting Christ? Man, I sense the presence of the Lord. Let's all pray together. Say, dear Jesus, just let's just say it louder. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say this, say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live.
I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me. At all of our campuses, those that are online that have prayed and trusted Christ, that are saved, let your campus, your online host know. And those of you that have trusted Christ in all of our physical campuses, there are what's called, there is a decision card behind your chair. I'm going to ask you to fill it out. Now, what do you do with this? Here's what's cool. Our buckets are now at all the, all the campuses. They're at the doors. That's where they put. That's where you can put your guest, guest information card. That's where people that have come to give, you can put your tithes and offerings. But it's also the place where you drop this guest card. What do we want to do? We want to send you this let, letter this week and talk about what it means to follow Jesus on a daily basis. All right? I'm going to ask everybody to stand. How many of y'all were encouraged by that message today? Come on now. <clears throat> Let's wake up every day grateful to God. Lord, I'm grateful. Start, Lord, I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for breath in my lungs. I'm grateful for a roof over my head. I'm grateful for those of you that are married. I'm grateful for my spouse. I'm grateful for my children. I'm grateful that I can worship freely. By the way, I am grateful that I can still worship Jesus freely in the United States of America. How many of y'all are grateful? I'm grateful for religious freedom. I'm very grateful for religious freedom. By the way, I've been to nations where you can't do that. Been to a bunch of nations. You can't, you can't do what we're doing. Let's stay grateful. The, antidote, the opposite of pride is humility. But the antidote, it's a medicinal term, the antidote to pride is gratitude. Keeps our heart in a posture. Grateful to God and to people. And to people. I'm grateful to my team. I'm grateful to the men that are around me. The men and women that are on our team. And I tell them that all the... Man, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody say thank you. Yeah, thank you. Again, if you prayed and trusted Christ, you can drop your card on the way out. You can drop your guest cards on the way out. Those of you that are giving, you can do that as well. Let me pray a blessing. Jesus, I pray your blessing over your people as they go forth this day. May the grace of God be upon them. May we be a grateful people. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Our altar's open for those that need prayer. We love you. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Wow. Another great message in this series on the book of Daniel. And I tell you what, guys, whether you've been here for the first few weeks or you haven't, I encourage you maybe to even go check out the other weeks. This has been a great study. Share it with your friends. I know it's going to impact them. And so, hey, as we just begin to wrap up, I want to let you know we're praying for you this week. And as always, if you need anything from us, anything at all, just let us know. All you have to do is email us at online at churchoftheking.com or you can call us at our church offices. We'd love to do whatever we can to help you. Have a great week and I can't wait to see you again next weekend.